Welcome to Clover Club, everybody. This is your host, Erica, and I have a quick announcement before we start today's episode. Last episode was our producer Kelly's last episode, so we want to thank her for her creative input on the Clover Club adventure and wish her well on her future endeavors. And so thank you, Kelly. Okay, I'm super excited about today's episode. I am sitting at the Taco Bell table right now with my delightful friend, Blake Schultz, the creator of It's Our Atlanta. And hi. Hello, how are you? (laughs) I'm so wonderful, Blake. How are you? Doing great on this. Oh, I can't even remember what day it is. It's, you know, I think both of us have had those uh, last two weeks, so. That is accurate. That is completely accurate. So, Blake, there are so many things that I'm excited to talk about with you on this episode and to share with all of our listeners, but I thought that we could kick things off with a story that really bonded us. (laughs) Yes. So, Blake and I were hanging out recently, and I told Blake a story that took place in an area that he's familiar with. And if you've lived in Atlanta for a long time, you may know this story. So Blake, I want to tell the story just again, like I'm telling it to you. And then I want to wait for the end for the part where you added like a very important detail. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So years and years and years ago, I worked at a salon in Midtown and something crazy happened across the street. And I heard about this crazy story from two people who lived at the place that it happened, who heard it from the maintenance person at the building that this happened at. So, Reliable sources. Reliable sources. Super reliable sources. All right. There were two gay men who were a couple who lived in an apartment. And in this apartment, they filmed porns. Lots and lots and lots and lots of porns. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the way you're making it plural porns porns uh, i just need to like emphasize gay, gay that there's like a lot of sex that happened right. in this apartment with lots of men so one day one of the partners gets diagnosed with hiv and he's like fuck and then the other partner gets diagnosed with hiv and he's like fuck so they're like we've been having unprotected sex with tons of people in all of these porns. How many people could we have infected? Like, holy shit, we can't live with ourselves. So they make the dramatic step to decide to end their lives. So they go to Ace Hardware, like you do, and they buy... Do we need to add some sort of like... Trigger warning? Trigger warning to... (laughs) Like, we just blaze straight into... Uh, trigger warning, suicide. Trigger warning, HIV. Trigger warning... Uh, this story has a lot, so skip forward, you know, five minutes if this is too much. I, I, I hope... So I have an earlier episode that I don't think you know, Blake, that is about armed robbery. Okay. And I tell it laughing the whole time. And I hope that just like my buildup now, people hear my... I mean, this is how we were, when you were telling me this, I mean, other than my face just being in pure shock, like you're again laughing through the entire telling of the story. Yeah. So it is a horrific story, but it is also, well, I mean, I'll let the listener decide, but you're, you're correct. Thank you, Blake. (laughs) Trigger warning. If you think you might be sensitive to anything that's coming next, just blood's the the next part. uh, Oh yeah. Trigger warning blood. (laughs) So much blood. Blood's important. (laughs) God. Okay. So these guys go to Ace Hardware, and they buy a circular saw. They go back to their apartment, and they write a letter to their property manager. And they, they say, hey, like, 
we are going to take our own lives. You're going to want to call 911, send up a cleanup crew. And they drop it in the mail slot. And they go upstairs. And I don't know this part, but I would like to think they hopefully at least had like a drink. And then they... <laughs> the important part. <laughs> I'd need one for what's coming next. So... One... <laughs> Yeah, I hope Seven, they drink eight, so much. Yeah, bottle, like, oh, bottle, bottle, one hundred percent. So they turn on the circular saw, and one of the gentlemen saws off the arm of the other partner, and then that partner saws off the arm of the other partner, and then that partner saws off the arm, his last arm of that partner, and then they're like, fuck, we've got an extra arm and we can't saw it off because I'm armless. Somewhere in there, they also did the legs uh, before getting to the arms, I I believe. They Uh, didn't, did they? I thought it was, I thought it was three limbs. Yeah, three arms. Okay. Yeah, three arms. There's no leg, you're you're the one warning people about a trigger and you're like, legs do, (laughs) everything must go. (laughs) Okay, continue. Okay, so we've got three arms on the floor. Lots of blood. We've got a remaining arm and a poor plan. And uh, these dudes presumably collapse from blood loss. Their apartment fills with blood. And then the next morning comes where the property manager comes to work and sees this letter. And she's like, what type of sick joke is this? So she says to the, the maintenance guy, like, hey, can you go up to unit whatever, whatever, and just check on this? I'm sure it's nothing. So the guy goes up and he knocks on the door no response. He knocks on the door, no response. He knocks on the door, I am entering, no response. He opens the door and it's a bloodbath. He sees the most horrific, insane scene. I mean, nobody could have predicted this, like insane way to off yourself. And so he's like, oh shit, this is legit. So they call 911, of course. And, uh, The way I told the story to Blake was, uh, these dudes are dead, there's blood everywhere, and they, you know... HVAC, or not HVAC. Hazmat. Hazmat. (laughs) 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 That's so funny. Like, (laughs) we're not really... Hazmat. Hazmat. Yeah, they have to clear out the building. Did we we clarify that this was on the fourth floor? The top floor. Yeah. So... I believe there was some like blood drippage to lower units, correct? I didn't get that in the story. This is through you. You okay. articulated that. You're you're the okay. one with the sources here. Okay, that is true. The super reliable ones. I believe that that was the case. Um, maybe it was, you know. Even if not, not like if yeah. there's insulation or anything like. Yeah. Gross. Um, so why well, did you just slurp? <laughs> I was just, I wanted people to know what the insulation soaking up the blood sounded like. (laughs) So anyways, I I tell Blake the story. And then the next day, you sent me a very important text. Anytime (laughs) I hear, like, first off, I'm a nerd like that. When I hear a story, I just go and deep dive into these things. and. Yeah, so I dove in. There's not a lot of stories. The AJC article no longer exists. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's still, you, you click on it on Google, but then it, oh, this webpage no longer exists. Mm. Uh, but Fox News still had an article up. So um, of course. Not, not my typical <laughs> news source, but. Same. Yeah, they were alive. Oh, 
my God. Well, I don't is... know what time they decided, you know, if neighbors, you know, did they do it early enough? The neighbors didn't get mad about a saw going off. Who knows? But it's a good question. Right? Like, unless they're just, you know, neighbors are so used to all the um, <clears throat> noise from the. The porns, <laughs> plural. <laughs> I. So, yes. So, Blake, you sent me a link to this article where. Yes, these men are alive, and they were rushed to Grady, and they were somehow saved, and then also spent some time in the psychiatric ward. <laughs> yeah, getting checked out. Getting it, checked out. But now they're just alive and armless. I, I have not. Out in the world. You know, I, I should have gone and dug through Reddit or whatever Ooh, sources. Why didn't you do that? I started to the other day, and then my ADHD Blake. brain just, Blake. I was on to my next topic. I'm sorry. sorry. No, you did you did a solid just by literally taking the five seconds to Google yeah. it. <laughs> but I'm still, like, imagining, like, you know, who knows if they're still together, but, you know, or if, you know, here we are 14 years later. Like, 14 years later. If they're still alive, you know, one of these guys just walking around with, like, People being stared at with no idea what crazy story uh, is connected to it. Do you think they're still together? Reddit. I, I'm going to have to come back now. I'm going <laughs> to go deep dive again. <laughs> and we're going to leave everybody on the a giant cliffhanger. Well, you know, our listeners Wait, have access ever give, to Reddit. Do you ever give homework assignments? I feel like this <gasps> is a podcast homework assignment. Oh my God, like, Blake. Yes. I, I give homework assignments starting now. So if you're listening and you are also captivated and amused by this wild story, you should Google it. Let us know. At us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> at us. We want to know. But also we're too easily distracted to have done the research ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we have done the legwork. I think we've brought a lot of solid content to the table. We got it started. And now it's time to hand it over. Bring it fresh to people's minds. Yeah, you I'm, know. I'm a collaborator is mm-hmm. the thing. And so who am I to take over all of the research, right? That would just right. be so completely presumptuous. Yeah, I mean, God, we're givers. <laughs> Such givers. Okay, well, while she gets her breath back... <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> what other topics were you going to ask me? I'm just actually, what's <laughs> going through my mind right now is just, you know, when I get to share this, my mom <laughs> loves keeping up with my social media. Okay. Hi, mom. Um, my mom, too. My mom listens. Really? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't hold back, though. Well, it's, it's <laughs> one of those things where it's really fascinating. So, for some context, I grew up in a very conservative home, both religiously and. Politically, mm. politics doesn't matter quite as much here. But I went through this phase, not that I've really outgrown it, where I'm still connected with a lot of my parents' friends on mm. Facebook in particular. Okay. I'm also a little bit of an instigator. And mm. so it pr- really started probably back in 2016, where just like every other month, every three months, like I would just post something that was completely spot on, but that I just knew would get underneath some people's skin. Yeah. And yeah through that process, my mom no longer engages with anything on my Facebook unless it's just like some of my landscape photography or something like that. Okay. Um, despite her still like wishing happy birthday to like my high school girlfriends and stuff on <laughs> oh Facebook. Oh my gosh, mom. So I'm like, uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like even like I haven't talked to the old high school girlfriend in however many years and you're wishing her happy birthday and like so still funny. bring her up, but like... Not gonna even like engage with my non instigative social media posts. 
And yes, I am 29 and still on <laughs> Facebook. Okay. Are you regularly on Facebook or just when you get like a notification? Mostly when I get notifications. That's allowed. Also, kind of drives me crazy, and this may be a good segue, but there are a few Atlanta accounts mm-hmm. that their only social media presence is on Facebook. That's wild. And they have a, a, a much older audience, and mm-hmm. so like getting into more of uh, you know, my page and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, I need to get this in front of some of these people. So I'm on Facebook far more than I would like to be, but... I am there, so. Well, we won't judge you too much. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Well, Blake, okay, so you have created this page about Atlanta. When did you start this? Uh, End of June, early July, so it's it's only a few months old. Okay, tell me, what what was the impetus for this? Well, it's a few things. Uh, My background is marketing, Um, so marketing, storytelling, convincing people of ideas and instigating them to action. Those are all things that are always going in my mind. I love um, that. that is the, uh, you know, my vantage point on a lot of life. And so I've had ideas boiling of like, how do I get people more involved or more interested in what's happening in the city? Just in Atlanta alone, there's so many history accounts and, you know, yeah, just a lot of accounts with really important information. Mm-hmm. But I'm like looking at them I'm like, okay, you got like 15 likes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's like, but then, you know, you're on TikTok and somebody is sharing very similar information, but they have changed the format of what they're telling and how they're telling it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, they're over here with 40,000 views or, you know, mm-hmm. just some little viral video. And I'm like, okay, there's a middle ground here. So me as a storyteller... How can I make this connection of getting more of this information in front of the audience and the people that need to know about it while like, yeah, just being that middle, that middle ground. So that was where my thoughts began. And I was like, okay, well, I think I like history enough. I like urban planning. I like urbanism, accessibility, transportation, all of these things that in my mind all contribute to great cities. And I was like, I'm going to start finding ways to tell stories that takes this information and bundles it up in a way that people not only are going to listen, but they're going to share, they're going to engage, and it's going to instigate, I'm going to just keep using that word today, um, them to action or deeper thought, which is really cool. I, uh, there was a journalist who, he was actually the one that was like, go do this. We chatted, I don't know, a month and a half later, my page had been up for three weeks, four weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've got to compliment you. This random Alfreda dad came up to me just so excited telling me about, I forget what it was, you know, something about transportation. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you've got to follow this account. You want to like, this is so crazy that this happened or like, you know, that, that, you Atlanta, know? that Atlanta used to have 200 miles of streetcars, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the story was, it was something related to that. Okay. Um, and he was like, it was your page. And this guy has never once, like, even though we've been friends and this is something I talk about as a journalist all the time, he has never once shown any interest in this. And all of a sudden now he's like, ecstatic about telling me this information all because he saw one of your videos and he's like wanting me to make sure I follow the, you know, your account. And I was like, okay, wow, I'm doing what I need to do because I'm telling the stories that people are able to listen to engage with. I try to tell it in ways that set really strong hooks. Mm -hmm. So I, I rely very heavily on my story structuring 
far more than just, you know, here's the correct information. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the hard things. You know, I've had organizations that have wanted to work with me and things like that. And I mean, this goes back to a lot of the marketing consulting I do. A lot of times people are like, oh, this information, we need all of this packed in. I'm like, you have 90 seconds to keep somebody's attention. Yeah. I need your top two priorities of this information and I'm going to have to, you know, find the hook, the story to catch people in. So a little bit of a tangent there, but <laughs> yes, that is the, what kind of got me into the page and it's all stuff that's super important to me. And so I'm just out here trying to educate people. Uh, I like to say that my page talks about where Atlanta was, where it is now and where it can go. And so telling stories about where it's been, where it's Well, I am extremely inspired and interested in everything that you share. And I think a lot of people that set out on a venture like what you just described also share that intention of I'm going to do it right and I'm going to grow it like this. And I can use myself as a good example. I... I think I'm a wonderful storyteller. I love telling stories and people like listening to my stories. And I do that on this podcast and we have like a hundred followers. I'm really bad at translating that to social media. And so it's really impressive that not only did you set out to do that, but I think Blake, you have what, like 15,000 followers on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I just passed that a a week or two ago. That's uh, insane for an account you just started. Yeah. Like that's wild. Yeah. It's super cool. Some of it, you know, I think is a little bit of luck. Some of it I think is... Well, and going back to the storytelling, I think that's a hard part, especially social media is so often you have to have something that almost has like a shock value to it um, mm-hmm. sometimes. Like and arms getting cut off. Right. <laughs> Watch this episode be your most watched <gasps> episode. Oh my God. I you mean, have stiff competition. Just... Actually, there's, I have a past guest, Keith Pepper, who is extremely competitive and he holds the top rank it's for the on. most downloaded it's on. episodes. It's on. Oh, you hear this, Keith? He listens. Listen, uh, this <laughs> thing's about to be blasted all over my social media. It's not even going to be our Atlanta anymore. It's going to be uh, our Clover Club. Our Clover Club <laughs> <laughs> reposts. Hey, don't tease me with a good time. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Blake, I also think you benefit from being really cute. Like that has to play into things on your page. I... Like, I think you're just like a nice vessel for this information. I I don't think you're wrong. And and I like, (laughs) obviously have to be like somewhat conscious of that. Do you? But (laughs) I mean, yeah, because some of the pages that are out here telling very similar stories are, you know, black women. And it's like, okay, why? That is a solid. Okay. Why? why I digress. Like, why are these pages not getting the attention my page gets? And so like, there's, there's just like understanding of the privilege that I, of the space that I occupy, you know, I, I come across as a very, you know, savvy young business professional, you know, thanks mom and dad for the great smile, you know, shiny blue eyes, like, <laughs> of, like, of course I have to be somewhat conscious of that, but like I have to be conscious in a way of when I have the opportunity to elevate others that I have yes. to lean into that. And, and that's something just for me personally, with this page and, and just, you know, some of my other projects, there's been times where it's like, oh, I need to dampen myself to elevate others. But yeah. it's like, no, no, no. Like, we all have to bring our best and fullest version of ourselves. Yeah. But in doing so, make, like, the stage is big enough for all of us. Yes. And so, like, th- there's room for me to be shining my brightest mm-hmm. while also making sure that the, the others that are around me 
are getting their opportunity to shine bright and yes. that I'm using some of you know my opportunities to to give opportunity like hey look at these other people that are on the same stage as me yeah you know and I've got some ideas and thoughts going through my mind right now most of it is community um, focused of I'm just trying to connect some of these other people to to more resources but yeah there's there, that's kind of like the the backside the underside of all of this is some of the opportunities that have opened up for me because of the the page and its influence I think that when you're on to something that is, uh, I don't know if like divinely inspired is, does that resonate with you? I'll take that. Okay. Yeah. I think that when you're in that kind of flow state, the support just comes. You attract these, right. you make your own luck. Yeah. And it sounds like you're doing a good job of that. Well, and some of my, my favorite people in Atlanta, uh, there's so much to be said about showing up in a space and not asking for anything. Mm-hmm. When you show up authentically, people people see like people who come with their own angle, you just immediately, you know, whether it's you want to call it an ick, your alarm system, the walls, like whatever. Yeah. Like you're like, this person is here for some other reason. Yeah. And that's and and people have asked me about like monetizing my page and I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. so against it. Like maybe merch or something like one one day just to compensate the hours I put into all my research and storytelling sure. and all that. But I don't want to make it a money maker for myself because mm-hmm. right now I get to tell such authentic stories. I don't have to take anything else into consideration. And yeah. I get to show up in spaces just because I want Atlanta better. And, and like how how like you can't really criticize that. You can, that is criticized proof, like criticism proof. (laughs) And, and that's one of the, you know, I get so much conversation going on my videos and what I wish I could tell more people of like, I I hear you, but the credibility behind what you're saying is not going to be there until I see action. Like if you can only leave social media posts, then I can only take your comment for what it's worth. Yeah. like are, most of the times, like, are you even aware of like the systems of power in Atlanta? Like, and, and that is again, going back to like one of the purposes of my page, like I'm trying to make the on-ramp to involvement easier. I want to remove as many barriers as possible, which is mm-hmm. why I'm trying to get some more community aspects uh, involved. But you know, when people, city council, NPUs, anything like that of power structures in Atlanta, like it's an, it's intimidating. Like that's where influence and decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. But if people like showing up to an MPU meeting or a city council meeting by yourself, mm-hmm. no one's going to do that. Very intimidating. But if like there was like a cool dude that's like, hey, we're going to go there and then we're all going to go get beers after. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, okay. Like there's some, you know, I know who this person sort of is. Like we're meeting before. Like now the barriers are a little bit lower. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like there's no expectations. I'm literally just sitting in a room getting to listen. But now we've just, you know, knocked down a couple barriers to being more involved in the city. I really enjoy that you're mentioning this because we had a past episode with my friend Jenny Lynn Rudder, who I have got to introduce you to, but she's a landscape architect who's very passionate about our city and urban planning. And we talked at the end of that episode about how important it is to be involved in your city. That episode is where I learned what an NPU was, neighborhood planning unit. And she, you know, we shared links of like, how do you find these things? And like, how do you get involved? Because I think that there is this barrier between running your mouth and then putting action 
motivation behind yep. uh, everyone feels entitled to an opinion. And uh, to a certain extent, we all should have a little bit if it's our city. Yeah. But if you're not willing to vote, to donate, to show up, and to actually put in the legwork to impact mm-hmm. change. Right. Well, and, and here's the thing is, I sometimes I think people don't realize, if you look at the voter turnout for uh, the past presidential election, like mm-hmm. massive turnout across Georgia. Mm-hmm. But then you look at local elections, yep. it's horrific. I know, it's I, embarrassing. I'm, like, we're talking in the low thousands. Mm-hmm. So the school board uh, election just happened. Yep. Nobody like, voted. It's I voted. <laughs> Me too. So, so did um, Jenny Lynn. Yes. Um, <laughs> Three but, of us voted. <laughs> like it was a week out, and only a thousand people had voted in early mm-hmm. voting. Um, mm-hmm. They were deciding a one point seven billion dollar budget. Unbelievable. That's twice the size of the city's budget. Wow. And see, people and, don't know this, and people don't know. And mm-hmm. and you know, when it comes to uh, you know a lot of the structures and decisions, and you know, are we going to be a more car centric, tra- you know, public transportation, all these things, mm-hmm. it's all decided on a local level. Mm-hmm. But again, like that's a very overwhelming. And so in my mind, I'm like, how do I just smallest percentage? If we saw a ten percent increase in voter turnout yeah. and turnout to public meetings. If you were just paying 10% more attention, mm-hmm. like, I don't expect 90%. Like, that is so unrealistic. Yeah. And, like, the city would be wild if everyone was locked in on what's happening in the city. For sure. Not, but 10% would be just crazy. 2%, I would take that. Like, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, and, and it would make a massive difference. When yeah. All these hot topics of affordable housing, mm-hmm. public transportation, safety, all those things... It takes the smallest, especially in the city of Atlanta, it takes such a small number of people to make a huge difference. Yeah. And I want to say that public leaders are listening, but uh, there are a few instances that they have uh, shown recently that they're not always listening. They're um, listening to their wallets. Right, right. And and that is, uh, you know, all, all of those are ways to uh, create and influence that change in the city. Absolutely. And I think, too, we see a lot of things, you know, everybody has a team at the national level. Yeah. We know who we're voting for. We know who we're not voting for. But there's also tangentially this complaint of the pipeline for new politicians, for new energy, mm-hmm. for new blood in the parties. And that starts at a local level. Like you're not gonna, what? I just thought of some tea that would just be great for this, uh, this podcast. Well, can you share it? Yeah, might as well. Let's uh, go. <laughs> okay. So just since we're going to hit on all the wild conversations today, cop city, go the, a, prominent city council member who is regarded as one of the he likes to position himself as a very progressive member of our council Mm -hmm. um matt westmoreland he (laughs) was getting roasted on social media after voting in support of cop city okay and i mean we're talking national reporters with massive following that were like calling him out him and just a few others in particular because here they are trying to present themselves as very progressive yep. and all of that. So he starts replying with his personal phone number <gasps> to all of these people. Bold. Me being the person that I am just immediately saves that number. Mm-hmm. And you signed him up for Scientology newsletters. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> no. Um, okay. I need no judgment here. I None. do still have a Snapchat. Okay. Oh, I don't regularly Blake. use it. I said it. <laughs> Again, I do not regularly use it. It, uh-huh. it sits there in the background of my phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, good or bad, it, it sets this uh, story up because it 
was connecting my contacts, it's like, oh, you have, you know, somebody you can add on Snapchat. Like that notification pops up and I'm just oh. like, I'm like ready to swipe away. I'm like, something catches my eye. I'm like, what in the world? I look, it's Matt Westmoreland and his Snapchat name is POTUS2036. Whoa! Like that is bold to have <laughs> a social media handle. And to not realize how social media works and that it's like... POTUS. 2036. Sir, well, first off, after that vote. You're done. <laughs> also, the likeliness of being able to jump from Atlanta City Council to president by 2036, pretty audacious. Loving you, you the know. confidence. <laughs> Slay. Uh, I mean, we could just guess off of this that, you know, he'll be making a, uh, a run for mayor here uh, probably the next election uh, or two. And, yeah. You know, from there. Logic. But that also, you know, goes into the conversation of how many leaders come through Atlanta that like either they're just trying to protect their little neighborhood mm-hmm. or they're just trying to use it as a launching pad. Absolutely. Um, and I think Atlanta needs a lot more leaders who are Have wanting in the to game. look at the full picture of yeah. Atlanta. They want to see Atlanta 2050 mm-hmm. and a vision to get there mm-hmm. that don't have, you know, aren't like their, their stake, their, their goal is to buy in on Atlanta and yeah. make it what it is capable of being while keeping the soul of the city alive. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> that is really good tea. That's interesting. Yeah. So judge me for Snapchat all you want, but I got tea from it. So. Yeah. It led us to this like fun FYI. Did you snap him? I should have Dude. just randomly have Dude. added him or something. No, because I don't want him all of my personal business. I mean, I'm a prankster, and so my mind immediately goes to ways that it would be like fun to fuck with him, you know? Well, I mean, now I just shared I his Snapchat uh, yeah. handle. If someone else out here in the uh, podcast world. This is, we're giving a lot of Snapchat, homework assignments like, today. Go have some fun. Let, uh, no, you know, well, <laughs> it, it's very, very difficult with political leaders because. I have such issues with a vote for Cop City, but then at the same time, Matt, Matt Westmoreland is also the one that's been leading the way for uh, Streets Alive coming back. I don't know if you've oh, made interesting. It that. So it's like always this duality uh, with politics where it's Absolutely. like, I cannot, like, I despise you for that vote. Yeah. But also like, thanks for the work of bringing uh, Streets Alive back. So I mean, that's the tough thing about the human experience is that nobody's 100% anything. Right. And it's just... Is your light brighter than your dark? Yeah. Is that how, is that, how that goes? We're going we're gonna to roll with it. We're going to roll with it. Okay, Blake, in your four seconds as a very successful Instagram page haver, what are the craziest things you've learned about Atlanta? Like, is there one thing that's gotten a million likes where you're like, this is my... Um, well, so I would say the things that have resonated the most with people are the things that the history that people walk over constantly yes, without realizing it. Mm-hmm. My first video to really gain a lot of traction was a park was renamed back in December. Okay. Uh, it has gone through three different park names okay. uh, because first it was a black neighborhood. Okay. Uh, Mas- Macedonia park. Okay. Uh, this was been late 1800s, early 1900s and some of the early white flight into Buckhead, started surrounding that area. Mm-hmm. And so this was before Buckhead was even uh, part of Atlanta. So okay. it's only Fulton County at that time. Fulton County, to protect these new white residents, penalized the black neighborhood for being a health risk. 
and what? started forcing residents out under threat of eminent domain. And so by 19... Oh, I should have taken all these notes down. Yeah, come um, on, Blake. Ni- Mid-1940s, I believe it was, uh, late 1940s. It no longer existed. Okay. So what does the city of well, Fulton do with black neighborhoods that uh, they have forced to be abandoned? They cover them with parks. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is full of parks that were once black neighborhoods. Oh. Yes. But this one in, in particular really stood out because all that remains are about 12 headstones of some graves. Oh my God. Yes. And they've been completely covered in shrubs through all the early 2000s and through the work of the Buckhead Historical Society. And I think some of the descendants of some of those families, they discovered that and they fought a developer who was trying to put big money into removing what was left of, and and that was even after the organizations had done work. And I think they estimate there to be over 25 graves in that space. And so now like there's been some construction of like trying to make it a little more official and recognized, but people visit this park all the time. Oh yeah. Once, Once the park was made, it was named after a local police officer. Oh. <laughs> then finally, through the advocacy, they named it after one of the pr- predominant uh, black men from the neighborhood. Okay. Um, which was what the name was um, changed to this past, past December. But yeah, it's been kind of an ongoing fight uh, against developers of trying to just protect what's left of that all black neighborhood. So yeah, that story really was my first video to, to kind of go mini viral. And yeah, it's just, you know, people are like shocked because like, oh, I walk past that or I drive past that all the time. I, I had have no idea. No idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one that really got people, anytime you talk about the buildings that have been erased in yeah. Atlanta, that always gets a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. I did one on the 200 miles of streetcar track that used to exist in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. People walk over remnants of it all the time and like Ponce de Leon Avenue it is so wide because even up until again I think it's the 50s yeah it still had a streetcar track running down the middle of it oh wow so 30, I, I live right there and I didn't know that 30 feet down the middle was still the streetcar and wow. it's so wide because they added 30 feet on both sides for the right-of-ways of the two other directions um wow. and they still do construction and they will still end up hitting tracks underneath the road and construction workers are always so shocked. Like I see video um, pictures and stuff go um, get posted on social media and they're just like, what is this? And it's like, oh yeah, Atlanta used to be a public transportation city. So what happened? In short, white flight, Georgia Power came into ownership of all that 1920s, I believe, especially when the trolley systems began being desegregated Mm -hmm. in Atlanta a lot more issues as cars became more predominant. That's when the neighborhoods, the, the what we now consider neighborhoods, um, started coming into existence. People could drive. And so all of a sudden, it was harder for Georgia Power to justify streetcars. So then they went to trolley buses, mm-hmm. which in 1954, we, Atlanta had the largest trolley bus network uh, in the U.S. Really? Uh, largest fleet, excuse me. Yeah, larger than Chicago. Wow. Um, so yeah, when, when people say that, uh, Atlanta is a car city, it's like, no, only the last 70 years. 
This is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which drives me, like, if you go look up, I, I believe it's like a 1921 map of the paths, the streetcar routes. Uh-huh. There was a streetcar that went all the way out to Stone Mountain. What? One that went all the way up to Buckhead. Everything that you could ever wish for, essentially, in a public transportation, we had. And that... I wonder if people are going to get the uh, sirens in the background. We have the door open because it's just like gorgeous out. And uh, if you heard a siren, then there's your tax dollars at work. (laughs) I also got pulled over this morning. They worked twice today. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So public transportation, people, people really uh, get shocked about that. And yeah, because I mean, I think it's easy. So many people live here who aren't from here. And I'm born and raised from here. You aren't and know more about it than I do. I know. It's such a transient city at this point. And especially with the film industry coming in. I mean, there's just lots of regeneration of new people. Mm. But it's easy to come to Atlanta and be like, yeah, I mean, Atlanta's great. But like, we need public transportation or we need this or da, 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 da. And it's interesting to be like, so we actually used to. And uh, now we don't. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many different things of, you know, the train stations and... Mm -hmm. Honestly, we're, we're going to just continue talking about Atlanta if, if we don't uh, veer off of this because like, okay. as I'm sitting here, there's like seven more like interesting facts that are like coming to my brain right now that, that I'm just going to keep spewing if you don't spewing. cut me off. I'm not going to cut you off because I'm really interested in this. And I know that if I'm sitting here like, damn, I didn't know that. I know that people who are listening also yeah. feel the same yeah. way. So Blake, tell us more. Well, uh, the first thing that's coming to my mind is that... <laughs> Early in Atlanta's years, Inman Park was one of the first planned suburbs. Whoa. Yeah. That's so weird to think about. Right. It's so wild. And all that came from the Ponce Avenue streetcar. It Ooh. ended up extending. And that's what you know ended up uh, bracketing out into what was considered the suburbs at that time. Wow. Yeah. Very That's interesting insane. there. Another weird little thing. My my buddy and I, he's an incredible guy. He's kind of the heart behind the Beltline. Uh, yeah, Ryan Gravel gets a lot of the attention, but my buddy Angel, very involved even now. He, through some partnerships with some organizations multiple years ago, I forget when, printed out the 1949 aerial map of Atlanta. Cool. So this is before highways. They printed it on a 20 foot by 30 foot vinyl whoa so at the last streets alive he and i rolled it out and so as long as people took their shoes off we were letting people walk on the <gasps> map trying to find where they lived oh this is so it, cool and the map um is everything inside the belt line okay and so like 17th street was only half the distance 14th street like they didn't extend on both sides of the highway like yeah. they do now ponce still had the cracker stadium across from it uh, wow. the baseball stadium yeah now it's a whole foods um, right it's a whole foods home mm-hmm. depot all of that and you can see the strip of homes that became the highways you have a whole northeast corner heading up towards buckhead nothing existed there, there yeah, are there are pictures of all this on your account can people go look at it i don't if not can you post <laughs> or can you send it to us so we can yes. post yes. i feel like people are, people slash me want to see this okay <laughs> yeah i need to and i and i'm trying to convince my buddy to let me take the map out more often yeah um, or or i'll save up my 800 dollars and uh, get my own printed i guess we could go like more recent history i showed you the videos that i took of the belt line oh my gosh yes and i would love to share this with our listeners because this is so cool the way that you did this yeah yeah well i'm <laughs> yeah i know 
<laughs> that was not the yeah I was giving, but it's giving yeah. <laughs> I just need the audience to understand I am giving her the death stare right now. He is. Anyways, um, <laughs> going back to Angel, he collects everything. Um, he also so part of what I his influence on the Beltline was he was leading tours of the Beltline when it was still a railroad track. Mm -hmm. So in case you don't know what we consider and call the Beltline, the 22 miles that surround the city used to be three different railroad companies and they surround the city. Um, Hold on. Can I share how I know that? Please. Okay. It's because I live on the Beltline and when I bought my home, it was dusty railroad tracks. And I remember my real estate agent being like, I mean, I know it's kind of an eyesore, but like, I'm sure they'll do something with it one day. And now my place is worth twice as much. So Blake, go on. (laughs) Yes. Well, he took pictures when he was doing all of that. He ended up doing a cool project called Board the Beltline, where he had people donate plywood and they cut them into strips and they boarded. It's that the East Side Beltline. Mm-hmm. the part that everyone goes to every Saturday and Sunday yes. and crowds greatly on the weekends. Yes. Um, <laughs> that was a CSX owned and, but it was inactive. Mm-hmm. That was where a lot of the touring was happening. And so they just took these this plywood, cut them in half and they put boards down the entire strip of the Beltline rail. I remember and like walking my dogs over that, but I didn't know that that was like, I didn't know anything about the yeah. project. I'm just and like, who put these boards so, there? So interesting <laughs> enough from my understanding City of Atlanta reached out to CSX, which a lot of thoughts on the railroad companies. They completely ignored the city. Mm-hmm. The city came and was like, hey, we got $30 million or something like that. We want the East Side Beltline. Yeah. It's inactive, like $30 million for an inactive railroad. Like, wouldn't even acknowledge the city. Wow. Board the Beltline happened big enough to get news agencies out there. Wow. Got enough publicity. Guess who uh, rings the city of Atlanta up? CSX. Says, Head to Birmingham. Let's have a conversation. Wow. Boom. The purchase of the Eastside Beltline. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's somebody showing up and just being like, I can make a difference. Literally. Yeah. That's so cool. Literally. Yeah. And it's so cool, like, seeing the community that uh, he built around that and yeah. the people that, like, still um, reference that, which, like, this gets into a lot more details. And I don't know where your audience falls on this. I'm a big proponent of the uh, streetcar on the Beltline. Oh, yeah. Um, and... It's just like very fascinating seeing like people saying that the idea that was presented in 1999, Ryan Gravel's uh, thesis, mm-hmm. is outdated ideas that the Beltline has surpassed what they were planning for. It's like, no, that was literally the, the goal. Yeah. But all of it was transportation first, development second. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very fascinating. Like those same people are out there showing up to all sorts of meetings now it's a little harder because they're competing with these, you know, certain develop, you know, depending on where the de- a developer falls on the topic, they're competing with that. But it's just very fascinating seeing some of the online people being like, no, I love this green space. Like you're going to cut down all these trees and stuff. It's like, no, that was part of the plan. Yeah. Like, trees Those Atlanta, trees were planted eight years ago. Calm down. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And that is one of the things that just blows my mind. Like, okay, first off, just in 2009, what that path looks like mm-hmm. would blow your mind. Uh, you can go onto Google Earth and our, our Street View, and you can see different years of it. Oh, cool. And 2013, you can go to the Beltline next to Pot City Market. Mm-hmm. Go and look what it looked like. Mm-hmm. 2013. It is still raggedy. It's a brand new strip of concrete. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a sidewalk. It's a sidewalk. Yep. It 
like you will not even recognize ponds. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you'll recognize the main thing, but that whole patio area, like none of that stuff existed. Yeah. The Starbucks um, at my Kroger. <laughs> right. You go, you know, the six, seven years before that, like that is nothing but, you know, just grown up trees. So it's yeah, very, very fascinating of, of how people interpret the Beltline and its success and things like that. But going back to, I have pictures. This is probably what he your has. backyard... Uh, Listen, everybody, Blake sat down and took like manila envelopes out of his backpack. He's so prepared. I'm so impressed and I'm having so much fun. But I, he's just handed me... What the fuck is this? Let's see here. I'm... What's that? I is should... that a ghost? <laughs> no, it's what? probably somebody he was uh, doing a <laughs> tour with. I am forgetting which bridge that is, so I am so sorry. This is the part of... Is actually, this, the, wait, is this Ralph McGill? I think it is. <gasps> yeah. Okay, so for wow. the viewers, since you are just listening, it is nothing but kudzu except for like a little two-foot path going through the middle running underneath the bridge. Um, this I, is where this is where I live. This is where I walk my dogs every day. Half that kudzu is still there. This is insane that you're showing me this. Yeah. I'll put y'all I'll post pictures of all of this cuz I know it's annoying to like listen to somebody yeah, describe I, something well, there. I have so so going back to Angel, most of these are all his photos or I've, I've stolen some offline, but uh, <laughs> they're all credited. Anyways, I went in with my camera and digitalized all of them because a lot of them weren't good enough quality for me. And uh, <laughs> so I have both the digital and print versions. I'll send you all the digital so you can post them. Thank this you. other picture, it's literally the machine ripping up the belt, belt line next to Piedmont Park. So wow. this is the, the new northeast section that is under construction before you get to Ansley Mall or Piedmont Heights. Okay, that's um, crazy. So we got a couple of those pictures. Let's see here. This one is the one that uh, is right there next to Trader Joe's, um, the, the bridge. Oh my gosh. And you like it's just piles of all the boards that used to lie underneath wow. the tracks. And some awful, ugly graffiti and tons of red dirt. I uh, like the graffiti. Th- this is the picture of, that's the, that's Ponce. That's the, that patio area. Oh, so sorry. He just threw this picture at me. Just really aggressive. Like, I it's appreciate the, the enthusiasm. <laughs> Forgive me. Wow. See, like now you can go buy a hundred dollar pair of leggings 20 feet from this. And this Correct. is like a trash heap. This Correct. This is wild. Yeah, so that big awning piece uh, next to that, that, that you walk out of. Where they do like the market, the um, like yeah. farmer's market. Yes, at yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That is, none of that exists. That uh, is just a uh, ugly white wall with trees that have grown up through the middle of the, the train track. Here's the uh, construction of the path over yes. the ponds, part of the, uh, the bridge over ponds. Oh, this is amazing that you have all of this. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Just, just <laughs> I mean, I nerd out to these all the time. Okay, while, while, while you're flipping through uh, some of these, if you have questions, I'll, I'll answer them. Um, okay. This <gasps> is the pamphlet be, like between the thesis and the city actually adopting Of plans. like Ryan Gravel's thesis. Right. So this is what Ryan and Angel were literally handing out to people. Like city officials as That's they were That's an original walking. one or you reprinted it? Original. Damn. So Blake came prepared, everybody. Like, wow. You can see some of just like I remember how, seeing this. Now that I'm looking at this, this is like crazy. So I'm holding a, just an 11 by eight and a half, like typical <laughs> piece of paper that's been uh, folded in half. The front page <laughs> is the east side 
Beltline. The, the um, desired east the desired, side Beltline. Correct. This and is prior to the purchase of those railroad tracks. I believe so. Let me see what my year is here. You know, actually, I think this would have been this would have been the initial conversation because they were working with. They did have a developer helping them put some of those pictures together. Okay. So, but still, that was uh, would have been the original proposals happening with the city and trying to show how many neighborhoods and parks are connected just through the east side belt line. Yeah. So that is uh, one of those. Angel has also got me in the terrible, I say terrible, It's I think it's a great habit. <laughs> Anytime I see a proposal of any sort for the city, uh-huh. I save them. I am have a... I'm probably going to have to buy some insane amount of storage in the near future. I already have like two terabytes of cloud storage. And oh I'm my just gosh. Filling that up of just reports and proposals and all of that stuff, oh. which the exciting thing is like when I go to videos, like sometimes that adds the hook of like, oh, here are original plans of Marta and what it wanted to do until That's Gwinnett so voted it down four cool. times, you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> four times. But this I'm holding... Creating linkages and eliminating barriers, the strategic community investment report. Essentially, this was a report on how to solve Atlanta's housing issues. And this mm. was early 2000s. Not so, we solved them. Like, <laughs> but it's got just such a crazy breakdown of like the, the issues that the city's running into and the, the steps that they thought would be appropriate, which would still probably be appropriate. Well, and, that's what uh, I was just about to ask you is, without having read this pamphlet, are the same issues present or have there been issues in this pamphlet that are solved and new issues have been created? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's here's some other paperwork. It's all handwritten notes because I've not had the time to convert all of these into written text. This is a dare part. Look at your cute little handwriting. That's not my handwriting. This oh. is... Uh, just kidding. Has been provided to me for more story uh, content. Adair Park. I don't even know what these numbers mean. Okay, well, that's a street in, let's see here, Lexington Avenue. Okay. That is the house number. Okay. The year it was purchased and the price it was purchased. Oh, shit. So 640, that's 2018, 55K. Oh. 2013, 22K. Wow. 2016, 91K. Now, most of these were fixer-uppers, mm-hmm. but literally uh, the provider of this information went and dug up all the information on all of his neighbors to get a better picture of what has happened to Adair Park. Yeah. And the lack of black residents that now exist in Adair Park. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. I think he had taken a note, like three owners alone own 17 properties in Adair Park. Um, rentals airbnb yeah yeah not owner occupied things that are not uh necessarily contributing greatly to uh to our housing market uh issues but yeah and it uh just kind of shows where that change began happening you know that atlanta was still an affordable place uh even up to 2018 you you're holding like one picture in particular do you have a question about it well (laughs) i'm i'm so excited right now and kind of my brain's all over the place but this the part of the stack of photos that Blake handed me I'm that I'm in are literally my backyard. And so I'm just kind of having... Is that the Old Fourth Ward um, skate park? Yeah, yeah, and Old Fourth Ward Park. So I, I won't tell you all exactly where I live, but I live right around there. And it's just like 
this is unbelievable. Like I walk my dogs here every day. Yeah. Other than Saturday and Sunday because the tourists, but. <laughs> I don't think it's even tour. Like, yes, there's some tourists, but I really think it's just, you know, all the suburbs, people who don't have uh, access to livable, walkable spaces. That's exactly spaces. what I mean. Yeah. If you don't, if you didn't walk to the Beltline, you're a tourist. Right. Right? 100%. Yeah. Like if you live in Cobb County and you're on the Beltline, you're a tourist. <laughs> and maybe this is a good opportunity, just a little pet peeve. What is it? Um, two's company, three's a crowd. Like when it comes to walking, can we okay. talk etiquette? Okay. Can we, can we just do this? I literally want to make an <laughs> entire video. I love the look video. on like space right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm over here like hands to my temples. And, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I walked past a sign, uh, a Beltline sign that was knocked down that said, uh, has all of the Beltlines rules and etiquette yeah um which are I, all very sensible and like should are. be common sense like, right i literally i i think i'm going to just launch an entire beltline page at this point because i have so many things i want to just uh, actually no i'm just going to go work with have you seen the uh instagram account the uh, atlanta um, beltline hits you yes yes, yes. okay <laughs> i'm just gonna start i'm just gonna start going. feeding them information I, i'm happy to assist in any way because i share your mm, Fervor. Yeah, fervor is much better. <laughs> Either way, yes. it's the Beltline etiquette is out of control. You guys are it, animals. And I'm like, no wonder highways are as miserable as they are. Like, this is how Y'all you drive, walk? how you walk. Like, yes. <laughs> like this crew over here, six people wide, and it's like, okay, at this yes. point, and I then am, they just I, stop. And then they just start. and that it that is when I when I talk about the Beltline being a transportation corridor, mm-hmm. you have to treat that sidewalk like it's a transportation corridor. Correct. People are doing their transportation with bikes and their feet. Yes. But and would scooters. you would you stop in the middle of eighty five? No. W- would you would you stop in the middle of you know Buford Highway? Would you like no 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 no, no. Yeah. like so if you're on the Beltline path, do not stand still. Step to the side. Say it louder. Do not stand still in the middle of the Beltline path. Or any fucking path. Like, or that, yeah. Be mindful of how your existence impacts those around you. Yeah. Like, it's so little and so huge. And it tells me everything I need to know about a person. Like, I can tell. You're like first date material. We're just walking the Beltline so I know what type of human you are. Uh, that's actually like a really good little hack. Just like, let me put you in a situation where I may You're be able to judge you. welcome. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. And also, I'm just going to say this. Like, Saturday at 11 a.m. is not the time to learn to rollerblade on the Beltline. Okay, here's... here. This, this is a side tangent, but also <laughs> very connected. There are other paths, walking <laughs> paths, that are not sidewalks. Yes. That exist in Atlanta. Wait. There are? Surprise, surprise. You got to do a story. I don't think people know this. I think you need to publicize I this mean, more. Th- they this are is going to be shocking to hear. <laughs> you know, some of the issues, in the connectivity um, sure. and, and things like that. But, like, if you drove to the Beltline mm-hmm. on a Saturday mm-hmm. to learn how to, how to roller skate, like, <laughs> go hang out in Piedmont Park. There's full-size roads there that you can do that and people could still walk on the sidewalk and yes. you're not like threatening people's lives. Yes. There's um, a parking deck instead of you clogging up correct. my parking. Yep. The freedom, um, path. yes, the freedom path. Yep. Another fantastic, uh, which silver, is always empty. Yes. Silver Comet. Like there, yes. there are so many other paths. Yes. Like, I'm sorry if you live near them and I just sent you a lot mm-hmm. of extra traffic, but, uh, <laughs> like we gotta, we've got to diversify though, because the butt line is congested and insane. And, uh, 
I mean, it, it blows my mind the way people act on it. 100%. My, my one big request, like all these people going back to people against the Beltline Rail, I'm like, I'm sorry that you're so deprived of car-free space. Mm-hmm. Advocate for it. Fair. I do not want to hear you arguing against a transportation corridor just because you are so deprived of car-free walking space. Yes. Well, I think it's annoying to hear people complain about anything without following up with a suggestion for a right. solution. Well, and and the Atlanta Beltline Inc. ABI, they like they were established to be a transportation organization, mm-hmm. and so people get really worked up about them with like affordable housing. Like they, they do have responsibility with affordable housing, but Absolutely. like when you look at the corridor that they actually own, like it, it's somewhat limited. Everything mm-hmm. else is partnerships with yeah. developers, with the city, like all of these things. Mm-hmm. Like if you want more paths that don't have a rail line on it or something like that, like show up at your MPU, talk to your city council member, yes. to, like get involved, shout and get people to, to create streets and, and spaces that mm-hmm. are like, that are connected. Like I would love the Beltline if it existed and had just tons of little trails just branching off it. Even if it That'd had like, be amazing. a little like pit stop path like where it like just cuts over a street mm-hmm. for two blocks and then reconnects in oh, I like agree. you just looped in so many more business opportunities because that's one thing that's wild that's about the east side belt line is there's parts where you step two streets away and you're like oh i'm back in the car centric hell and yeah. it's very interesting yeah yeah and i'm like just advocate for you know some safe biking lanes or like there, there's room we we could find ways to whether we like eliminate streets or minimize them a little bit more to put in paths that are very safe that don't have high car traffic where you could find that peace and the trees and all of those things mm-hmm. that you experience on the belt line without having to fight the saturday and sunday cruise and things like that i agree with everything you just said and i think generally speaking it's so easy for people to default into criticism mode without doing the diligence of coming up with ideas and suggestions and alternatives. So I appreciate that you're like, hey, here's a problem. Here's a solution I've thought of. Here's how you get the solution enacted. You show up and you've got to vocalize things. Yeah. And I think part of it too, and this certainly applies to me, I think it's very easy to be like, no one cares what I have to say. What could just I do to make a difference? But you made such a good point that somebody like you is saying like, hey, there's this MPU meeting tonight at 6.30. Let's meet there. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. And uh, making it accessible, making it comfortable, and just letting people know about it, I think is so huge because it's really easy to bitch about stuff and then just get wrapped back up in your own life things yep. and just complain. Yeah, 100%. I love complaining, but I also know that there's an onus to, you know, yeah. and, of action. You know, I think there's something that's not, I have a lot to say, you know, even on personal terms of people's relationship to community. But if you want to feel connected to a place, advocate for it. Yeah. I'm going to take this back, though, to something you just mentioned, all the way to the beginning where you asked about my page. You asked some of my reasoning behind starting the page. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to do a story about our preparedness for the FIFA World Cup in 2026. Anyways, I was out by Centennial Yards, the the bridge, the pedestrian bridge over there now. And I was just standing there and... Like I just finished recording a video or something and I just started talking with a guy. I find out he does corporate real estate, mostly up in New England area. And we just got in this conversation 
And he was just saying like, well, I, I kind of mentioned how it's a little concerning seeing some of the big corporations and some of the, uh, where they are willing to put their money in Atlanta and some of the groups are willing to put their money behind. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, I, I think especially in a city the size of Atlanta, what's important is sometimes these corporations, like if there's a strong enough vision, they'll put their money behind it. Okay. Essentially. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're starved of options, then like you turn to what's available, what's on, what's there mm-hmm. to, to have the influence, the, the corporate and governmental advocacy, whatever. And he was like, you know, if you're, if you're have that ability, create that vision, create the vision that the corporations could stand behind, create the, because, wow. you know, I was talking about how much cars and, and the uh, commuting into the city, you know, just like a lot of mm-hmm. the obstacles that Atlanta faces, you know, it's like the corporations aren't necessarily always trying to make a, a big public statement. It's just right. like they need or want a certain level of power and uh, they want a certain level of visibility. Mm-hmm. If you create enough noise and a strong enough vision and, and enough validity to it, mm-hmm. like the corporations can and will start paying attention. And if you give them the option of like, oh, we want to build a, a headquarters here. We want to build, you know, expand our, our operations in Atlanta. Yeah. And they get to show up to an Atlanta where there's this very strong vision of what the city is, is going to become. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we want to put our money behind that rather than like throwing our money at cop city or, or something like that. Like, and that all of a sudden it's like, yeah, like, oh, we're talking about sustainability and we're talking about affordability and things like that, that are easy to adopt as, you know, part of your pillars as a corporation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we can support that. So part of the, the page is like, man, I can take some of these ideas that I have. Cause that is one thing, like there, there's documents and stuff that exist, but I don't see a big, strong, overarching vision for the city of Atlanta. And there's lots of little, I, I, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm the people like you bring to Atlanta and I think it bubbles up and goes away. Right. And uh, what you mentioned earlier is that we need people who are staying here and who are invested yeah. and don't just come and, you know, share their opinions and leave. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just done. trying to like capture the, the p- other people's vision. You know, a lot of the stuff isn't mine. I'm trying to, you know, capture the ones that I'm like, Oh, I think this could really make a difference in Atlanta. And like, let me see if I, how I can amplify it. I so. love that. That was my little throwback. Uh, you know, you had one piece and two piece in the conversation. I just had to connect them. No, those are very important dots to connect. <sighs> yes. Well done. All right. There you go. Oh that, is, that is so much of my Atlanta brain right now. Uh, well, Blake, it's interesting. This episode is going to air this coming up Monday. So the Monday before Thanksgiving. And we've got, I would say, the majority of our listeners are in Atlanta. But as of yesterday, Clover Club has been listened to in 14 countries, which I saw is. that post. That's crazy. Like, I love how detailed analytics are because I'm just like, wait, really? This is <laughs> I'm nuts. I'm going worldwide. I'm going worldwide, <laughs> oh guys. I mean, that's the goal. But I, what I hope is that as we gather on Thursday, with our friends, with our family, or however you're going to spend the day, whether you're American or not, it's interesting thinking about past, present, and future, and what our roles are and how we connect, whether it's in our family, in our community, or in a broader sense. And I'm, I'm feeling just very energized and excited by this conversation and just kind of the ripple effects of this type right. of yeah. work and thought, you know? Yeah. Well, which is, you know, going back to like that, that guy with the journalist, were we talking about that before the podcast? I don't know. There was a gentleman who, the uh, guy who had his arms off was, 
No, not that one. <laughs> just the Alpharetta dad who uh, like found my, my oh, page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to Alpharetta dad. <laughs> yeah, Al- Alpharetta dad uh, who doesn't pay attention to anything transportation and uh, came to my journalist friend just like bragging about the story that he heard and the information he learned. But that's one thing that I'm learning about my page is I'm equipping people for, for conversations. Yes. Like just that tidbit is enough that they're like, wait, did you know that Atlanta used to have 200 miles of streetcar tracks? Or, you know, mm-hmm. do you know that Atlanta is the most surveillance city uh, in, in the United States? Like, wait, uh, what? Oh, yeah. The most surveilled city in the United States? Per, per capita. What? We, we are twice that of Philadelphia. We have, I believe <sighs> it is, hang on. Philadelphia had 17, on average, 17 cameras per 1,000 people. And so we have, what was it, four, th- 38 or 40 uh, cameras per 1,000 people on average um, for the city. Yeah. I mean, it it helps that the, the actual city of Atlanta only has 500,000 people uh, compared to the metro. So that kind of messes with the, the numbers a little bit. But, yeah, we, we are... Number one uh, per capita. Yay. <laughs> Which is very interesting because the thing that people always bring up is, this is another warning, the lady who was stabbed. Do not park. Katie Janess and her dog Bowie. Yes. The security, there were security cameras. And they didn't work. And they didn't work. Yeah. And that, you know, people always bring that up and which is a huge part of the conversation of like, I, I think, I think the Atlanta police foundation and they have like two separate programs. Like they, they claim now that there's 18,000, um, cameras, uh, part of their, their network all monitored from Peachtree street, which I have to dig into because what I hear from the PR and what their website says, there's some discrepancies because from the sound of it, like police officers can literally tap. Like if you have attached your camera to the network and, what the website says, giving them permission to access. From my understanding, police officers can just straight up access the cameras that have been like allowed into their network, which... So these are like residences who have agreed to let their home cameras, like their rings connect. I think think there's some like 11 or 12,000 official city cameras, and then they have an entire program where people can either connect into the city just so that the city knows that they have a camera there, or they can give like full access Fuck to no. the live stream to the city. Uh, no. So, <laughs> and, and, and surprise, surprise, you know, like a majority of the city's cameras are downtown and or black neighborhoods. How, okay, we have the most cameras. How many of them work though? Do we have the most working cameras? Because the the Katie Janess thing, I obviously have very strong feelings about. I think it's embarrassing that this is not solved. I have my theories, but I mean, it's unbelievable that that could happen at Piedmont Park. And it's been, this summer we passed two years, nothing. Just, just since we're hitting all the conversations, this is, we're, we're talking like 200 yards away from her opening story. Oh my God, you're right. Jesus. Charles Allen up to 10th Street. Yeah. Wow. Murders in arms. Didn't Murders realize arms. Midtown was <laughs> such a ha- happening place. And, and, and I think I want to do like a little respect to Katie Janess. Let's just share the, the super cliffs notes of what happened. This is a local woman who walked her dog, I think around midnight on a weekday into Piedmont Park and uh, her and her dog were found stabbed to death. Extremely gruesomely, not just, not that there's a stabbing that isn't gruesome, but yeah. this is extra. And uh, our police department and the FBI is even involved. No, unsolved. It's unbelievable. Yep. 
Oh, man. I feel like there's still so many more <laughs> topics to hit. And this is all just me with my, the stuff that I think about in Atlanta. I feel like we could have gone off on a whole other just like personal side of things. Like, I feel so. like you should come back like once a month and we should do like a check-in of like what you need to know about Atlanta now. Uh, our, our Atlanta yeah, correspondents. Oh, <laughs> that would be fun. That would um, be fun. I, I, yeah, I would not be opposed to that. The Taco Bell table is comfortable, right? <laughs> so comfortable. My, my the back thoughts and just flow. My, my, yeah, back and ass are just, you know, celebrating. Wait, this, are you so. being sarcastic? Is your ass sore? No, I got, I got enough back there. It's not sore. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> Every chair is comfortable for me. <laughs> No comment. What, what, like, what, what am I even supposed to do and respond right now? I mean, I guess I did start it, but yeah, you started it. Um, I just finished it. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I feel like we could hit so many other conversations about just like human goodness and like dating yeah. and like. We didn't touch any of that stuff. I feel like we could have gotten to a whole bunch of uh, other uh, juicy topics. Okay. But I hope everyone enjoyed just the amount of things I have crammed into my brain about Atlanta. I suspect that people will. And if you, if there's something specific that we touch on that you want to know more in detail about, we can either A, do another episode, or you can reach out to Blake or I. Like, we'll post about this on that our social media and stuff. That would be fantastic. If somebody just gave us, like, bullet points of, or, like, we just took, like, okay... Yeah, Give us a list we have of, a question about this. Like, let's get clarification about that. I'm curious about X. Like, I like I'll you, do my homework. Yeah, and I will too. I mean, I think Blake. Right. This is why we get along. But we both have a you know a way of engaging with community and storytelling that I think that we could collaborate on and like For really sure. just share more interesting, fun stuff. Absolutely, Blake. What are you most thankful for this year? This year. This year. Okay. This is we're doing. Here, here's the side that you all did not get. This year has been massively transformative for me. So I started the Atlanta page because I was laid off from my tech job. Okay. Um, so I did some job app applying, but like tech was still in its full like crazy layoffs um, phase. And I was like, you know what? I've got unemployment. I've got savings. Like, let's go do some of these projects. So I started the page and through it, there was a lot of asking myself what... I needed from life to mm. be at peace. Mm. And there was, yeah, it's just like this beautiful, like this opportunity that I had of sitting in these parks and just like, I'm a guy who always has had a huge vision, a huge plan. Like this is everything I want to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. and, and this was like the first time I had to sit and be like, what, what am I able to accept in my life and still love myself mm -hmm. and be pleased with the life that I live. Like, cause like, it, there's, there's all these expectations and conversation and, and ideas of you have to achieve something with your life, mm -hmm. which feels like a very capitalistic American Absolutely. mentality, Yeah, but you still have to like sort through that and, and process it. And, you know, I had the opportunity to like get to sit there and be like, as long as I get to be the genuine good human that I have always known myself to be mm -hmm. and can stay true to that, I can take whatever life throws at me and be content with the life I have. And that was such a transformative period of getting to sort through that. I think that's so beautiful. And I shared on an earlier episode, our second episode, actually, the story of me getting well, fired. <laughs> there were no layoffs. It was just me. But that was 
the platform that I created all of this on. And had I not had that moment and the vacuum that it created for me to think and to focus and to, to really get clear on, like you said, what are my values? What's important for me? What do I stand for? What does happiness and contentment look like for me and only for me? Because we're all, we're always bombarded with, you should be doing this. This is what success looks like. And it's like, are these my ideas? Is this what I want for me? Or is it just something that I forever have been told I'm supposed to want? And I think it's really in that quiet, you get a lot of clarity. And a lot of people keep themselves busy, mentally, physically, all of it. And they don't let that come in. And I think that, you know, I'm sorry you got laid off, but I think that it's really beautiful what you've done with it. And that wouldn't have happened, you know? You're going to get me started into like a whole nother hour and a half conversation of just like (laughs) finding your purpose in life and things like that. But this is so fun to talk about. And these are the type of conversations that, I mean, I, I have clients come in and it's so satisfying, but I literally had a lady come in the other day and she opened up the notes app on her phone and she had comments and just stories and things that she had listened to on our Mm. podcast episodes. And she was like, this really resonated with me. Like, thank you for sharing that story or da, 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 da. And I'm like, wow, like that's fucking amazing. And it wouldn't happen if people like you and I weren't brave enough to sit down and just have authentic, honest conversations. And before doing that, you have to be honest with yourself. Right. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Man, that just connects into like right now, especially in my personal, well, it's, this is probably the connection between my personal life and the page is, is community Yeah, and everything you're sharing is such, such, uh, so important to community because the more authentic people can show up within their community, the healthier the community will be, the more engaged the community is, you know, the healthier, the the greater community is going to be. So absolutely so many different aspects uh, of all of this and, uh, you know. That's, that's just a big passion of mine right now. I, I think the change we want to see in the world happens through community. And so it's kind of where my mind's just constantly revolving around right now. And well, uh, I love that. like hearing that people like find you as part of their community is really beautiful. And, you know, I've always, I've always known of like the joke, how hairdressers are like unlicensed therapists. Um, uh, yes. That, you know, it's unsurprising that people come and trust you with their stories and their interests and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish we had more human spaces that people could feel and connect like that and build their community. That's such a beautiful sentiment. And uh, I think on that, actually, I, as I could have this conversation go on forever, but I think that that's something that I would like our listeners to take with them into their conversations for Thanksgiving to bring it back to when this episode's going to air. I was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine about therapy, which I'm a big advocate for and how going home for the holidays is like the therapy Olympics because all of your old Mm. labels and triggers. Yeah. Right. Like it's hardcore. And I know people are listening to this who are probably like white knuckled. We could get into a whole conversation about this. Uh, Blake, you have to come back. We have to have more talks. You just, you just (laughs) let me know. But yeah, but I think if, if, if you're listening, I would like to invite you to whatever you're doing on Thursday for Thanksgiving, show up authentically or whatever version of authentic works for you and your family dynamic. Because I think that making that choice to do things even just a little bit differently, the ripple effect that that will have on your whole family is tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I'm super thankful. I'm, I'm really close with all of my family members, despite, you know, quite, quite a lot of differences, but 
everyone feels like they can show up authentically. That's and, beautiful. And not um, everyone has that. Yeah. And you know, so far it's, it's not uh, had any negative reactions, uh, are <laughs> uh, too grand of negative reactions. So, That's um, good. you know, thankful for that. But, it, you know, a lot of times, sometimes it just starts with one person. Like so many oh, people yeah. are sitting there inside their box, like so timid of like, well, I don't want to do this cause like, this isn't how they know me or whatever. Yes. Um, you know, I know there's, there's, there's higher consequences of when you're not accepted for being authentic, but mm-hmm. you owe it to yourself to be as authentic as you can safely do. I completely agree with that. Okay, Blake, on that note, let's drop the social media. Tell everybody where they can find your content. Okay, well, all the Atlanta things are at It's Our Atlanta. There is a I-T-S before that, so I-T-S-O-U-R Atlanta. And if you care, I have a uh, personal page. It's mostly just me and my hobby of photography and me ranting about the things on my stories. Uh, but that's <laughs> Blake Schultz on Instagram. It is B-L-A-K-E-S-C-H-L-T-Z. There's no U on my uh, personal handle. I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to make a joke. <laughs> I mean, I kind of set it up where I could make a joke if I wanted to there. <laughs> we'll both not do it. <laughs> The audience e- is either like easily filling this in or just being like, one of you, please say it. <laughs> We're not going to say it. Okay. That's more fun. Yeah. We've been guessing. Okay. Blake, thank you so much for your time tonight. I truly, this has been a delightful conversation and I think that people are going to get a lot out of it. And I'm just so glad to know you, honestly. This is just inspiring and wonderful and exactly why I started this project. So I so appreciate your time. And if you're listening, give Blake a follow. If you don't already follow us, friendly reminder, fun things go down on our Instagram and it's at Clover Club Pod. And as always, listeners get 10% off at hawkinsandclover.com with promo code Clover Club, all caps. And we will hear you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you, Blake. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. And remember... I have to be the most listened to podcast. So (laughs) share this link. I love a competition. I'm so competitive. Me too. We should go play air hockey. It's on. Everybody, thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Goodbye. (laughs) Do you like your hockey as much as I do? I don't care what it is. I'm going to be competitive. (laughs) I don't care what it is. I'm going to win. (laughs) 